Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. By the way, I'm going to apologize in advance. I've got a little bit of a cough, so I'm going to have a hard time making it through some of my sentences, but I appreciate you bearing with me. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'm going to be joined by Jen Herman, and we're going to explore how to use Instagram to generate organic leads. And trust me, even if you don't generate organic leads on Instagram, this is solid gold. You're going to freaking love it. So stick through it. By the way, you want to reach me on Instagram? I'm at Stelzner, or you can email a podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. And if you're one of the new ones that are listening to this show, hit that subscribe button now so you never miss a future episode. Now for this week's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in the social jungle. Here is this week's survival tip. This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric? I found out, as the world did, that Instagram announced a brand new app called Threads. This is a dedicated app to direct messages with your close friends inside of Instagram. So we're here to talk about Threads, basically. Yes. Tell us more. What does it do? Yeah, so Threads again. This is a this is a camera based app that is tied into your Instagram app. It is an official app from Instagram, and what this does is last year Instagram rolled out Close Friends, where you can share things with just select people that you want to interact with. And what this does is it allows you to set. It's almost like a Facebook Messenger version of Instagram. <laughs> you know, in the, in the way that you can send public messages. On you know Facebook, this is kind of that messenger equivalent for Instagram. It's got all these like different cool bells and whistles, like statuses and different threads. The reason that it's called Threads is obviously because you're replying back and forth to stories. The cool thing about this one is that you can turn on notifications for this app and leave them off on the Instagram app, so that if you want to get notified of uh, you know a certain chat thread inside of Instagram with just certain people, you can do that. But so not just have to it, be clear, you know, this is not moving all your DMs over to the Threads app, or is it moving all of them over to the Threads no, app? No, it doesn't. It actually, what it does is it make it leaves all your DMs in the native Instagram app right where they're at, but this is just that extra layer, this extra level where you can go over to this app and instead of jumping into Instagram proper and getting, you know, maybe potentially distracted by stories or the feed or the search, you can just jump into direct messages only. That's kind of why I draw the parallel. So is it really for like Facebook close messages. friends? Is that kind of the, the goal here? Or is it for like, I don't know, families? 
Well, I mean, that's kind of the intention there is you'd go in and you'd select, you know, those people, those, you know, you, you, they say friends, but again, your wife or your spouse or, you know, your, your brother could be a close friend in this app. Now, here's the thing. I found out you can actually go to all your DMs in this app. You just go to the settings and you just tap the triple, you know, line hamburger menu thing and all your DMs show up right there too. Hmm. So it's very cool though. It's very cool. It's very streamlined. It's very simplistic. And again, I, I think that the biggest thing for me is if you don't want to get bogged down with getting distracted in all of the other aspects of your Instagram life, but want to go back and forth quickly and easily and even allow notifications for DMs, you can do that with this app. Well, I wonder if this is Facebook's way, because Facebook said that they're moving to private encryption in Messenger. Mm-hmm. I wonder if this is their way of getting around that, which is to come out with new apps that are not Messenger that allow people to have private communications that are not encrypted so that they can kind of monitor it and use it for marketing. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. That That's a great observation for sure. You know, because why would they do this when you would think they would just sew everything into Messenger? But in actuality, this is like, this is them diversifying away from Messenger, fascinatingly yeah. enough. Yeah, again, this is a standalone app. It's designed for privacy and for speed and, you know, for those close connections. Right. And you can do those photos, those video, you know, messages and even stories, you know, with your Instagram close friends list. And it's out for all platforms. You can just search for it. It's called Threads by Instagram or for Instagram. There is no public feed, right? It's all private. No, no, it's all private. It's all chat, just private chat. Threads for Instagram is where you can find it on both Android and iOS. Is that right? That's correct. Thank you so much, Eric. You're welcome. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. And now for my interview with Jen Herman. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined in studio by Jen Herman. She is an Instagram expert, co-author of Instagram for Dummies, and her live course is called Instagram Intensive. Welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm excited to be here and in studio with you. Yes. This is the second time I've ever had someone in studio and (laughs) both times, guess who it was? Me. That's right. (laughs) It's convenient. I'm right down the road. Yeah, absolutely. So what we're going to talk about today is how to use Instagram to generate organic leads, but Before we go there, Jen, why don't you tell everybody why Instagram for lead generation? Because a lot of people, that's probably not the platform they would think of first. No, and it's not. And it's funny because 
when someone said to me, it was a couple of years back, they're like, well, you can't use Instagram for lead generation. I was like, challenge accepted. So that was kind of, and I, I knew you could, but I'd never put it into a methodical way that people would be able to do it. So when that was brought to my attention, I was like, I'm going to make this my mission to show people that they can do it. And the reason why it is actually so good is because Instagram is so good at driving high quality traffic. Mm. You don't get a lot of traffic from Instagram, but because it's that, you know, see the content, read the caption, click on the link in the bio, get to that destination, they've already taken three or four steps to get there. They genuinely want to be there. And you are more likely to get a high quality conversion, which is how you get people to sign up for the webinar, sign up for the registrations, do the downloads, get on your email list. You get those high level conversions from a platform like Instagram. You know, this actually brings me back to an interview I did with uh, Nathan from Founder. Um, I think his last name is Chan, Nathan Chan, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm remembering now how he was able to use Instagram to generate hundreds of thousands of leads for his online magazine called Founder. And it's like, yeah, I mean, there really is something there, but I guess we've been so focused lately on the bright, shiny object, which is stories, right? Yeah. (laughs) And all the beautiful images that we forget about the fact that you can actually use this to get people to take an action that actually can drive them off site. Yeah. And we've all kind of kind of given up on that because we just think if we don't have to swipe up right on stories, forget about it. Right. That's true. And but even then, there are some workarounds and we'll talk about those. There are some workarounds you can use even if you don't have the swipe up link to get people to either your website, to your profile, to the link in the bio and those sorts of things. So what kind of leads and maybe and leads might not mean the same thing for everyone. So what can people do? Just just to kind of frame the word lead generation, right? Like what could they creatively do with this strategy? For example, they could grow an email list, right? Yeah. I mean, whatever your funnel looks like. So you might be looking for direct you know, sales out of a post, whether it's stories or feed, you might be looking for, you know, like I said, growing an email list. You might be looking to do something where you want people to show up at an event. Maybe you're in a nonprofit industry and you're trying to, you know, get more awareness out there. So whether it's, you know, combined email lists and things like that. So whatever that generation is for you, wherever you want to get people into whatever your funnel looks like, you can absolutely use Instagram to push them there. But I would imagine you could use it to grow your podcast listener base too, if you wanted to. Of course. Yeah. So let's start at a high level with your strategy. What is your strategy? So it's multi kind of component across Instagram. There's a couple things we need to look at, which is that first your profile has to be set up and maximized for that type of conversion. We have to be writing captions that are going to get people to follow through on a call to action. We have to get your content to get their attention in the feed in order for them to read the caption. And then finally, we have to be looking at metrics and insights within our Instagram content to understand which type of content is actually driving the conversions because high engagement content may not be high converting. And we want to know what those look like. Perfect. So what I would love to do, if you're okay with this, is spend substantial amount of this time now going through each one of these and kind of talking about what we need to do. So the first thing you said was profile. Talk to me about what we can do in our profile, because a lot of people probably don't even look at their profile. They probably set it up once and forgot about it. Absolutely. And a lot of times I tell people they're profile probably sucks because they wrote it in marketing speak. They wrote it, like you said, when they started the account, they don't know what's in there or why it's in there. So the profile is literally your 30 second elevator pitch. And it's usually your first impression whenever somebody comes to your profile. Most of the people who read your profile are only going to read it the first time they ever come to your 
actual account. Once they're following you, they have no real reason to go back and read your bio. So we want that written for a first-time visitor. We want it to be who you are, what you do, what's in it for the viewer who's reading it, and some sort of call to action, whether it's an action you know, arrow pointing down to the URL, something like that. We want to be able to give them a really clear message who we are, Use emojis, use slang, use your personality and voice. And you only have 150 characters to do this, so it's not a lot of space. This is like tweet size, really. Right. (laughs) And so I always tell people, have somebody else write it for you because we're horrible at writing our own bios, right? Like we want to write either 4,000 characters or we just want to speak about our business the way we see it, not the way our customers should see it. So ask your employees, ask your family, your friends, ask somebody else, a colleague to write it for you. I actually had mine written by Elisa from Tailwind because she wrote up a bio for me for a podcast. And I was like, this is amazing. Can I steal it? (laughs) Because she captured my personality in a way that I never would be able to. And we want to make sure that that is what is conveyed to the new audience so they understand really quickly why it's a value for them to want to follow you and ever you know, pursue anything, whether it's clicking on the link, clicking on an action button and that sort of thing. So 150 characters? Mm-hmm. And how many lines is that if we think about like if, if you can visualize like let's talk it out in words because everybody's listening, they're not seeing mm-hmm. this. Like what does that look like? Is that two lines in a narrow column or what is that exactly? So I mean – People can generate like a, a long form paragraph, which you're going to get about five lines out of. Okay. Typically, we don't want a long run on paragraph. It doesn't read well. It's not visually appealing. So if you can do bullet point type alignment, so short individual sentences and use an emoji at the start of each line with some sort of, you know, cute orientation to what that bullet point is about. You also want to make sure that the first bullet point is the most clearly descriptive about your business because a lot of profiles get truncated with a dot, dot, dot more. Mm -hmm. And if that happens, you aren't actually seeing what's below that unless you click on that. So if your first you know, bullet point is something like, in my case, I have mom to a mini fashionista as one of my bullets. Mm -hmm. If that was the first one, then everyone's going to be like, well, She's a mom and she's into fashion. They wouldn't think of me as an Instagram expert. So instead, we really want to make sure that the first bullet point is really clearly descriptive of your actual business mission. And then you can add in the personality in those kind of subsequent bullets. So I'm looking at yours right now. (laughs) And the first thing it says is Jan Herman. And then it's got some symbol and it says Instagram expert. So is that your name field? That's the name. Yeah. Should we talk about that for a second? Yeah. Because you've, you've actually leveraged it for more than your name. Yeah. So the name and username are the only searchable criteria on Instagram, which means whatever you put in your bio isn't actually searchable. Now, it looks like they've been beta testing searchability to include the bio, but there's no guarantee that that's really the case right now. So if you are, in my case, an Instagram expert, if it doesn't say Instagram expert in either the name or the username, I won't show up in search for Instagram expert. Same thing goes for podcaster, for photographer, Mm. for florist. If you don't have that keyword or if you're local, if you're a San Diego photographer, you want your name field to say San Diego photographer or San Diego portraits, something like that so that you can very clearly be found in search for that keyword that your audience is actually looking for. Take a look at your profile. I have it on the desk in front of us. Um, mm-hmm. You've got the word blogger underneath it, but it's slightly lighter color than the other stuff. Do you see that? Is that something that's a surprise to you? I see you're making a strange I know. Face. Like, I don't know. So, but, <laughs> like, but your first line does say blogger. So yes. what were you trying to convey there? 
So that's, I mean, I built my whole business on being a blogger. I mean, that was how I started out. I became the world's forefront blogger on Instagram marketing. I'm known as a writer. Right. So people come to me usually from some sort of written content, even though I do more video and more audio now, I still am known as kind of author blogger. Right. And then obviously speaker and consultant. Right. Got it. So when you're putting a return in there, Mm -hmm. is there a secret to to getting it in your bio? or, or So Android users... Go nuts. We have the return key, easy access. iOS, it's kind of hidden in one of the symbols, or you can build it in a note first and then paste it in. The key is that you cannot have a space as the last character. So if you have, you know, a sentence type thing and the last letter is an R, you can't have a space after the R. You want to backspace all the way up to it and you can't have an emoji as the final character on the line. If you do that and when you hit return, the return doesn't really count. So you got to make sure that the last character is either a single kind of punctuation mark or a single character. I also noticed that uh, in your bio, there's a more button. So does that mean that we should be careful about what goes below and above the more. Yes. Let's talk about that. Yeah, exactly. So you want to make sure that that first bullet point, that first sentence is that very clear description of what your business is, something that's the most kind of obvious definition of what you do. And then when you click the dot, dot, dot more, that's where you're going to add in the personality, the quirkiness, you know, some more of the kind of fun factor that maybe, you know, kind of elaborates on your brand a little bit and those sorts of things. Perfect. So, so far we've talked about the fact that your name can be more than your name. Yeah. And you can put an emoji in there, yeah. which we might not have said, but Jen's got one. So you can clearly yes. do it. <laughs> we also have the fact that Jen's using a lot of emojis. Like she's got a globe and she's got just all sorts of them on here. Do you know if they look the same on, yeah. on iOS? I mean, they're slightly different in some of the, you know, the emojis. They may have a slightly different, you know, fill point or something like that, but they're essentially the same on right. pretty much both devices. So I would imagine we can go to a place like Emojipedia and look up our, our favorite emoji or whatever. Mm-hmm. Is the idea that you're using the emoji kind of as a separator of words, not yes. necessarily as a replacement for a word? Is that Correct. right? Yeah. I mean, if it's something where you are really trying to conserve characters and you can use you know, an emoji instead. So perhaps like if I wrote globally recognized expert, I could put globe recognized expert. So actually have the emoji in place of the word globally. Yeah. I don't really recommend that because not everyone will read it that way. Right. But if you are really tight on characters and you can find an emoji that replaces a word, you could use it in those situations. Okay. So we've talked about your name and we've talked about your uh, description. Is there anything else on the profile that we should be talking about? So the URL, which is going to be right below your bio. So the URL is super important because that's your one good clickable link anywhere on Instagram. And I always tell people you want this to go exactly where you want them to go. I use the example, if you walked into Nordstrom's and you see something on a mannequin and you go, I want that exact outfit, but the jacket's upstairs, the pants are downstairs, the belt's somewhere in a clearance department, the shoes are, you know, in a completely So don't send them to the front door. Right. We want to send them to an actual destination. Now, a lot of people do like the link in bio type thing where they do something like a link tree and that sends them to a source where then you can put multiple links out there. Those are perfectly fine and can absolutely be used. I recommend setting up your website with a landing page that is clear of any pop-ups, any sidebars, any distractions, and you basically recreate a link tree environment on that landing page. So you can have three, four, or five specific links 
on there because now you own that traffic so you can retarget them with ads. You can look at your Google Analytics, see where they're going. And this is really key when it comes to managing your lead generation because you want to know they came from Instagram, that they landed on this page. Where did they go from there? Are you having more people clicking on a webinar registration than you have clicking on an ebook download? Do you mm-hmm. have more people clicking on your course information than you have on your blogs? So having your own landing page allows you to measure those metrics of where they're going and how long they're staying on your site so that you can better target your audience. And for those that don't know what Linktree is, it's some sort of service, right? Where It's a third-party tool. It's a third-party tool that's mobile optimized and you can kind of create buttons, if you will, mm-hmm. right? That go directly to wherever you want to go. But you're advising instead to just create a mobile optimized page on your own website. Yes. That way you have a little more control of the analytics and you can yep. see how many people are getting there. And then I would imagine you probably want to include some UTMs parameters and hide them in maybe a bit.ly link or a short link so that you know for a fact that it came from Instagram, (laughs) right? Because if it's on your website, they might get there through another means, right? I mean, they could. Usually you want the page to be somewhat hidden so it's not a published URL that you would use anywhere else. But obviously it could be found in a Google search or some other location if it's obviously public on your website. So yeah, anything that minimizes the risk of any sort of, you know, cross-contamination and you'd only want to use that link on Instagram. So for example, mine has, you know, I think it's jenstrends.com forward slash Instagram links. Yeah. And if you click on that, that goes to a dedicated landing page, which has five options. And I did it with pretty pictures and you click on the picture and it goes to that specific landing page. So you could do that for different, you know, types of merchandise lines. If you have different, you know, types of products. You could have a different button for each type of product. Again, you could have one for your blog, one for your podcast. You don't want to give them too many options because if they have to scroll too much, they're not likely to click through. So five or six is kind of the max in terms of what you want to provide for options. And Jen's, when you click on it, it says, welcome to Jen's Trends. I'm so glad my post on Instagram inspired you to find out more. So she's specifically calling out the fact that you're coming from Instagram, which is personalizing it. And then she has a bunch of little rectangular graphics that are promoting whatever the heck it is she's got going on. Is there anything else we need to know about the profile? Like maybe stuff that's only available to business accounts versus personal accounts? So there's the action buttons. And these are key for actual sales, more so than they are for the lead gen type thing. Okay. So you have the contact buttons. If you're a business or creator, you get the call, text, email, and directions are the four default. But you can also add on things. If you're a business profile, you can actually add on like the book now, buy tickets. And I think there's three or four different button options. Again, they're all linked to third-party tools. So for example, if you use Eventbrite to sell tickets, you have an Eventbrite account already. You then link that button through Eventbrite. So if someone is looking to buy tickets to your event, they can actually click on the buy tickets button directly from your profile. It opens the Eventbrite page, complete the sale, boom, close. They're right back into Instagram where they started. That's cool. But they don't necessarily have like a sign up that goes to email kind of thing. No. So that's something where if you're trying to do the, the email building or that sort of thing, you do have to still rely on the link in bio, type call to action and format to get them to that landing page. The action buttons are definitely more focused towards direct transactions. Okay. So I think we've covered profile. Yep. Let's talk about captions. Yes. And we're kind of working backwards in this process. So they end up on your profile, but that's the first place we want to start when building this. So the next thing is the captions because that's what's going to get them to the link in the bio. So your caption has to, first of all, be a really strong opener to your caption. So if you've ever scrolled through Instagram, which I'm assuming everybody has, you see the photo or video and then you literally see username, 
one to two lines, dot, dot, dot more. And it truncates off. So all you're seeing is basically the first sentence of that post caption. So if your first sentence is some rambling randomness that makes no sense and isn't motivating for them, they're not going to click dot, dot, dot more to read your caption, which means they will never see your call to action. So that first sentence, you want to think of it like a great blog post title, a great email header, something that's really going to get them to click. Use emojis and capital letters, draw their attention, make a bold statement, ask a question, something that makes them click dot, dot, dot more. Now they will read the caption. And then within that, you have some sort of call to action, which is typically going to be click on the link in the bio. And you can do, again, put some emojis around it, put in capital letters, make it stand out so people see that very clear call to action. I'm looking at uh, Instagram right now, and it looks like you've got your username, and then you've got, at most, two lines of text, yep. including the username, right? Yeah. So that's literally like maybe 10 words. Yeah, maybe it's 15. less than, like, it's like a half a sentence, if you're looking. Is there like a preview option so we can kind of know what it's going to look like? Or is yep. that, unfortunately, we got to just kind of figure that out on our own? Yep. You just kind of got to know it's going to be like, give or take that one and a half lines. And again, because it depends on how long your username is, you know, a shorter username is going to have more text. A longer username is going to, you know, cut into that text. So you can't even say it's a guaranteed like 32 characters. There is no guarantee. And again, certain letters are smaller than others. So it's just kind of going to, you know, wing it. And that's why you really want that really strong opening, whether it's five words or 20 words, we just really want to capture their attention right off the bat. Does Instagram provide you analytics on the more button pushes? No, they don't. Bummer. I know, right? (laughs) The algorithm is tracking that. So that is a positive action. If someone clicks dot, dot, dot more, the algorithm recognizes that as a positive action and it actually helps your content rank better. So it's some sort of an engagement metric. It it, is, but we don't get to see it. So you may have people reading all your captions, but if they don't like it or leave a comment, you don't know that they've taken any action on it. So can you give us some tips... If our goal is to get them to go to our profile, Mm -hmm. how do we write the caption in such a way that they're actually going to either click the more button or not have to see the more button at all? Right. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, they're going to see the dot, dot, dot more if they're scrolling. It's that's always going to be unless you have a really short caption. Right. Right. It could. I mean, it could be a really short, you know, really good one line zinger type thing. Right. Um, But if you put captions with, you know, hashtags in them, then immediately you're going to get the dot, dot, dot more because now you've got your hashtags down below. So it's kind of hard to get away from the dot, dot, dot more. And to have a really good short caption is almost impossible to do. I mean, that's copy editing at probably its ultimate. Right. So it's really key to, like I said, know what your content purpose is and know who your target audience is. So I do a lot of educational content and I will literally start off in capital letters, breaking news or Instagram news, colon, and then I start talking about it. So people see that and they know immediately this is something that they're going to want to know because I'm telling them this is big news. Do you recommend an emoji? Yes. Okay. Use, you know, in that case, like I'll use stars or fire symbols, for like tying to like a breaking news type thing. You know, people, for example, I have a my, one of my co-authors, she wrote a post once and so it started out with be like a postage stamp, dot, dot, dot. And it was like, it's one of those who like, be like a post. What does this mean? And then she goes into stick to one thing until you get there. And she starts Ah. talking about shiny object syndrome. So the purpose of the post has nothing to do with, you know, anything about a postage stamp, but that's her metaphor to get people in. And it's intriguing because you're automatically gonna be like, I don't know what that means. And you will click on it to see where she wants you to go with that story. That's cool. So anything you can do that's tricky or witty in that kind of way, we don't want to clickbait people into it, but we do want to motivate them in some way. 
Do you feel like when people are scrolling and they see a photograph that doesn't have any words in it, that they do stop and read the captions and the caption stops them and they scroll back up? Or do you feel like they mostly look at the picture and they don't even read the captions? I mean, it depends on the image, right? And it depends, I think, on if you recognize who the content is from. So if I'm scrolling through and I see something from, you know, the local news station that I follow, even if I don't get a lot out of the photo, I'm more likely to look at the caption because I know it's a news story and I want to see if it's relevant to me. So I'm more likely to stop and look, whereas I have some people that I follow and I really just like their pretty pictures. And I'm not even looking at the the caption because I just don't care. It's not relevant. I just want the pretty pictures. So it's knowing what the purpose of your content is to be able to almost train your audience in what you want them to do. And if they're not used to you writing good captions or having calls to action there, you almost have to train them slowly by, you know, using shorter captions. Don't use long ones. Don't put a call to action in every single post. Start out with something witty, like start doing things that are more the entertainment value to capture their attention, to click dot, dot, dot more. You want to give it at least, you know, three to four weeks of time to build this up as people get used to it, then they start being able to click more frequently and you can start doing the calls to action and that sort of thing. Let's talk about calls to action in the context of the feed. How ought we word those calls to action? I mean, the most common that everyone recognizes is click on the link in my bio. It sounds so redundant. And everybody intuitively knows how to get there, right? Right. I actually have a friend of mine, Tanya, who she's really good about this because she writes really long captions. And I love that what she does this is she will write this huge long caption down at the bottom where she says, okay, super easy. Click on the link in my bio. And then she actually lists her username again. So does it become hot clickable? Yeah. Oh, so rather than having to scroll all the way back up in the caption, she's like tagging herself really. Yes. But it makes it super easy because now if someone is scrolling and, you know, we all want to save that, you know, half a second of our life of scrolling backwards, she goes, click on the link in my bio at, you know, Tanya Plummer Fit. That's, Boom, that's, that's a hot tip. Right. A lot of people don't even, I, I would think to even use that. No. No matter what. Right. I mean, like, especially if it's just more than a couple lines, because right. they might be at the top of the app and it might be out of their visual range. Exactly. Right? And they don't want to scroll backwards. They will do it. But the easier you can make it for people, the more likely they are to actually pursue that action. How much text can we put in the caption? 2,200 characters, which so, there's no definitive word count on that. It's so literally. We characters. could literally put a whole blog post in there almost. Well, I mean, a micro blog. I use it as a micro blog. 2,200 characters. I don't know what that means in words. That's the thing. It's it's hard to put it into a word. It's paragraphs count, it's, though, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a good long scroll. Can you put character turns in the captions yep. easily or not so easy? Same thing as with the bio. You just want to make sure there's no Maybe prep it space in another at the document. end. Um, you just want to backspace so there's no empty spaces and you don't want an emoji as the last character. But yeah, you can totally space them out. What's the downside to the emoji as the last character? I never bothered to ask you that. It's just a weird formatting issue. Like the moment if you have that emoji in there and you hit the return key, it looks like it's good on yours. But as soon as you hit publish, that Ah. that return key just gets eradicated for some reason. Ah, Got it. So I guess you could prep this in like a Google Doc or Word or something and then just paste it. And somehow those returns work. Yeah, as long as there's no space at the end. As long as there's no space at the end. Okay, perfect. Okay. Anything else on captions before we talk about the actual, you know, images themselves? Uh, No, that was everything. Let's talk about the images, the content. The content. How do we get their attention? 
And that's the hardest part, right? Is, you know, you're scrolling through a busy Instagram feed. It's high, you know, moving. People are, you know, scroll, double tap, scroll, double tap. So you really need that content to get their attention. I always tell people not to use my account as an example, even though, (laughs) because I'm like, it's like the exact opposite of what I tell people to do, because it's usually a photo of me with a text overlay. And I hate using text on images on Instagram. It's like my big faux pas. But in my case, from an educational perspective, the moment they see my photo and there's a text over that says new feature, breaking news, you know, Instagram update, they go, oh, Jen's got an update and they will stop immediately and take action on that post. So a lot of my content looks like that, which I actually hate that my content looks like that, but it drives a ton of engagement and conversions for me. So wait, does this mean that you are actually creating some sort of template that you're using over and over again? I mean, it's, it's a generic. It, I just use a certain photo and then the very, my like branded font. So it's not like a full-blown template, but I use the same general format on a lot of my images. I would love you to read uh, to everyone the one that I'm showing you right now <laughs> and tell them what you're doing there with that one. So in this one, it says, wait, stop. This is crazy. And so it's in my branded font and colors. And then I went into um, an offer for the BC stack. So it was a promotion that I was actually... What's cool is it's like you're telling them flat out to stop. Did yeah. that work for you? Yeah. And this post got a ton of engagement because this was a converting based post. It wasn't meant for engagement. It wasn't meant to get likes. Right. It was meant to get clicks. So everybody, you can do that, right? You yeah. can tell everybody. Literally stop. Yeah. She's telling. <laughs> and we've seen this before, right? On videos where everybody's like waving their hands to try to get you to unmute or whatever, right? It's right. the same concept, right? So you're telling them to stop and the idea is to stop the scroll, right? Yeah, Exactly. So what else can we do? So whatever you want to do, it comes to your content. We just want to get people's attention. So maybe it's bold colors. Maybe it's minimalist design. Again, if you have a really busy photo with a lot of colors and distractions, it's easier to scroll past that. If you have something that is in a very muted white and gray kind of background in this beautiful pop of yellow color, it's going to stand out on the feed. It's going to be like, wow, why is there this bright yellow, whatever it is? It's right. visually going to catch your attention. Um, I've seen, you know, different brands do something where, you know, they literally have a very solid color wall. So they're next to like either like a purple wall or a blue wall. And then they have the object of focus is minimalist in front of this bold color. Again, it's going to drastically change what they're seeing in the feed against, you know, the white background and the text and all these other busy images. So minimalist can work. Something with certain color patterns, usually blue gets people's attention more. I want to ask you about color. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is on the Android yet, but they have the dark mode I know. on Apple. And it really does create a different kind of experience because it, it allows the right colors to pop. And I'm just, have you seen that yet in dark mode? So, and I've actually been warning people about this because if you are hypercritical about how you design your visual content for Instagram, you now have to consider what that looks like on a black background versus a white background. And if you're designing images to pop against a white background, they may not look good against a black background. background. Yeah, because if they're black, they're going to blend in, right? Exactly. Or if if you're doing black and white images that don't have a good contrast level against the black, like there's a lot of things that I'm like, if you are really paying attention to this, you want to look and see if you're seeing a shift in that engagement, you know, those sorts of things. Because again, not everyone, it's not like, 
you know, dark mode went to everybody. Everyone right. can use it, but not everyone will. Right. So now you have a split demographic. It's not a guaranteed everyone seeing it on a white background. Well, and the new iOS allows you to set it up automatically, which is what I have set right. up. So at a certain time of the day, it goes to dark mode. Uh, okay. And another time of the day, it's in light mode. So once the sun sets, it goes to dark mode. And when the sun is up, it goes to right. light mode, which is even crazier, right? So, so I, you can see the same piece of content in two variations in the same day. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I don't generally because I'm not on there all the time, but right. I would imagine, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So we want to create something that's high contrast, you were saying, yeah. but, but, but we got to start testing it up against white and black, right? Right. So if you have Photoshop or if you have a design editing tool, just kind of get an idea of how your content looks. If you have certain branded colors or a certain style aesthetic, just do a quick analysis and look and see how it performs on a black background. Maybe it looks better. Maybe it doesn't really make a drastic difference, but just keep that in mind going forward. Words on images. I know in Facebook, we've been told, at least on the ads, to be careful, the 20% rule and all that. Have you heard anything about whether words on images hurt us on Instagram? They won't hurt you in general. Like, there's no rule. I mean, if you're doing ads, it still kind of applies. They still, you know, monitor the 20% and everything. But in terms of organic content, it doesn't have any sort of negative impact aside from the fact that most people on Instagram don't want to read words on images. They want pretty pictures. They want videos. They want something that's, you know, visually appealing. And if you're taking that graphic that has a banner and a whole bunch of text and, you know, maybe you've got the the date and the time Down and the directions arrow. and all yeah. these things, that's probably going to fail on Instagram because it's way too cluttered. It's way too busy and it doesn't look Instagram worthy. That's not what people want to see on the platform. So if we are using Instagram for lead generation, what do you think is a good ratio of, because if we're going to use words and they do work, mm -hmm. we don't want to use it all the time is what you're saying. Right. Any kind of formula as far as the ratio of how often we do this? I mean, it's really going to come down to where your action-based content falls. So there are going to be situations where, you know, again, we don't want every single post to be a promotional post that goes across any platform. Not everything is a sales pitch. So if you're doing, you know, 60% of your content is fluff engagement type content and 40% is CTAs, then maybe on those posts, that's where you're putting in some sort of wording on the image itself, but you want to keep that wording minimal, like two or three words. Even when you look at all of mine, it's, you know, usually something like Instagram news. It's minimal word content in order to not detract from the actual image, but just enough to capture their attention. So, but you could choose to put a creative image up there that yeah. would stop them that doesn't have words in it, right? Absolutely. So like, you could have could, a giant stop sign. Yeah, you could put a stop <laughs> sign or you could like create a crazy face and you're like yeah. wondering why I'm creating this crazy face because I'm so excited to tell you about something, right? And then, I mean, yeah, you could literally have a photo of you with, you know, or, like I said, a goofy face, a shock face, a happy yeah. face, like over the top exaggeration. Right. And then in your first line of that caption to get their attention is, why am I freaking out? Well, let me tell you dot, dot, dot. Right. And then you go into what the reason is. So again- the photo gets their attention because you're being over the top exaggerated. The caption's now going to be like tying it in, but you're not giving it away just yet. It's going to force them to click the dot, dot, dot more to figure out why you're so excited. What about carousels? So I'm currently in love with carousels. Didn't love them before. I was kind of like, eh, people don't really understand the whole concept of swiping left and right. And it was kind of confusing. But now... Instagram has actually started to re-show carousels if you ignore them the first time. Really? So if you have two or more images or videos in a post, 
when it gets shown to like, let's say I post something and it gets shown to you in your feed. If you don't respond to the first image, meaning you don't click dot, dot, dot more, you don't like the image, you don't interact with it, you scroll past it. Instagram goes, well, that's too bad. Let's show it to you again. And it's going to algorithmically choose which of the subsequent images to show you based on your personal oh, so it'll look like a different. It'll look like a different post. It will. So you will now, the next time you log in, maybe see my third image ah. that it says you're more likely to respond to this. And so then you'll see it and go, oh, that's really cool. It's like and a little like split it. test almost, huh? It really, but you don't know what the analytics say on it, which is really annoying. I wish how you did could you, see. How did you know this then? Because you just started noticing this oh, yeah. weird trend. And everyone's been noticing it. This has probably been going on for about four months now, maybe, maybe cool. a little bit longer, where we've really been seeing this. And it is, it's so, I'm like, it's your chance for double exposure. Like, if people don't like your first image, you get to show it to them again. Like, there's no other way to get double exposure on Instagram. This is amazing. Do you recommend putting a little arrow in there for people that miss the dots below it? Um, to kind of indicate that they can. there's more here? I used to tell people to do that, but now enough people know how it works and they're pretty savvy to know. Like, And right. they can see that they're on the third of five or whatever. Um, and they'll kind of swipe on their own. People used to put, you know, swipe right, like right in the caption. Right. Again, that's just using up valuable real estate. But again, if they swipe, if they're in any way navigating through those images, even if they don't like it or leave a comment, the algorithm is ranking that content for them. Video? So video is great. It gets no preferential treatment in the feed. Videos and photos are considered exactly the same by algorithmic standards. What about for lead generation though? So it's up to your audience is what I always tell people. Like my audience knows I don't do videos. If I posted a video, it would probably tank. Right. But if we want to talk about things like, you know, certain like podcasters or certain people who, you know, are built around video and audio content, you're more likely to have better results. And of course, you can have up to a minute. So you can put a call to action there. You can be, you know, explaining what is going into whatever that lead is for them, why you want them to, you know, sign up for this or what you, you know, are going to get out of coming to this event or all those sorts of things. And then additionally, now IGTV, which is a huge component of tying into lead gen, you can actually have your IGTV video, if it's over a minute, does a one-minute preview in the feed. And that gets them then when the one minute is over to go over to IGTV. So the reason I mentioned that is because if you don't have a swipe up link on stories, you can put anybody can put a link on any IGTV video. Oh, really? In yes. the captions? In the caption on the video. You can use up to 30 hashtags on your IGTV videos in the description, and you can put any link on any account on IGTV. So what you can do is- But it won't show up until they switch over to the IGTV right, part, right? Right. So they have to follow through. So you have to make that first minute of your IGTV video really good and compelling and getting them to watch through. But once you're there, now again, you could have a minute and a half, a minute and 15 seconds. So they only have to watch a few more seconds once they get to IGTV. And now you've got a clickable link in that description where you want to include the call to action that says, make sure you open the description of this video and click on the link to get yours now, to sign up now, whatever it is you so want So it's two different captions, one for the IGTV and one for the Instagram. Is that correct? The caption that shows up on the Instagram preview will be the caption from the IGTV video. But the link will... So the link isn't clickable on... I see, I, it, but it Instagram. will be clickable if, yes. they, if they got it. I recall that Instagram originally said 
just square, but now they've gone to whatever shape, right? So does it still, is still square the way to go or should we go slightly higher or what's the- Square or like the vertical four by three is great because you want to take up as much real estate as possible. The traditional horizontal landscape videos are not good because then they're super Or you know, even short. images, right? Or, yeah, or same thing with images. You lose that real estate. So if you can go square, you're maximizing the real estate as it's built for the platform. So it never gets taller than square is what you're saying, right? You can go to the four by three. So you can go to that kind of like original portrait mode where it's not, it's Does a little it's bit taller. Slightly taller than yeah. it is wide. I see. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So do you recommend doing the four by three to get a little more yeah. real estate? Absolutely. Because that's what, if they see that in the feed, it's going to take up more space. It's more likely to capture their attention. You have more space to, you know, scroll past. It's more time for them to stop and like kind of take action on that image. Perfect. Anything else on content before we talk about analysis? Really quickly on stories. Just to kind of tie that in, because of course it is a huge component, your story sequence can absolutely lead you know people to the website, however you want to get them there. If you are doing something where you don't have the swipe up link, then you know you have your sequence, whatever it is, and then you can say, click on the link in my bio and at mention yourself. So just like we kind of mentioned in the captions where you know Tanya was at mentioning herself and making it hyper linked to her profile, do the same thing in stories. So they don't have to go and try to click on your profile, ah. which is that weird little tiny icon way up there where the back button is. So at mention yourself. In your story. In your story. So they can click on that. A lot of people do fun little things where they do that. They put their at mention, you know, so I put at Jen's underscore trends. I minimize it a little bit and then I put like a GIF or like sticker With an arrow. right over top of that that says click here. Ah, cool. So it, you can like, so they don't even see that it says my username behind it. It just says click here. And when they click on that sticker, because my username is behind it, it's now basically a hyperlink Shut sticker. Shut the front door. Yeah. Wait a minute. You're layering it over the top? <laughs> yes. Wow. So it essentially so you're is- you're hiding the username behind a sticker. Wow. Everybody just, their mind exploded. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's not a common thing, but again, they're more likely to be like, oh, click here, duh, and they will click on that bright so how, red So wait, how do you get the layer thing to work? Is, is it tricky as far as like, you have to first put the username. Right, you use your username as a text box. You make it whatever size it needs yep. to be, and then you make the click here button bigger than it, yeah, right? Yeah, so you can go to like the gift stickers, you know, and you can yeah. choose one that just says click here. That's you awesome. Just search for click here. Or you can make a new text box that is your own that just says click here and, you know, do the, right. the modern font with a green background or whatever. And then you layer that text box on top of your other text box, but the only one is clickable. And then that becomes a hyperlink click. So um, we've only got a few more minutes to go here, but yeah. I would love to hear your thoughts on how in the world we analyze this stuff. Yes. So in the insights on your profile, if you're a business profile or creator profile, you can go into the three line button from your profile, click on insights, and now you're into all of your data and analytics. Now, wait a minute. You said a business profile or a creator profile? Yes. So not a personal. Some people might not even know what a creator profile is. They can go to socialmediaexaminer.com and search Instagram creator profile. Got it. And there's a whole blog post. Okay, perfect. <laughs> So you don't have to have a business account to have this. You have to, but you, but a creator. Creator or business. And creator is basically there for influencers. So you don't have to have a business page from Facebook tied to it. It's a little bit more freedom and flexibility, but there's still a lot of restrictions. Got it. Okay, so, good. So, so once they're in there, what can they find? So the best thing I recommend people do is you're going to go from the very first tab when you log in to the insights, you can see content and stories below and it'll say, see all. So on the content tab, you click that see all and it opens up all of your archived content that you've ever uploaded to Instagram since being a business profile. And on there, you can now sort. So at the very top, it'll say showing all content for 
engagement in the last one year. So you can choose to filter for just, it can be all content, just photos, just videos. You can then go through and say, I want to look for content based on engagement, likes, follows, comments, clicks, you know, website, whatever. And then you can search for up to two years before. So I recommend doing like a year worth of data, like search for one year. But if you you want to look at six month intervals, whatever. But what happens is when you do this, it will now show you all of your content. And so if you search by engagement, it's going to show you your top performing engaged posts. So you can look and see, oh, wow, every time I include my dog in the photo, I get crazy good engagement. But then you go and change that metric and you go and say, I want to look for top performing posts based on clicks or Uh based on website clicks for the last year. And you go, wow, every time... I had a top performing click post. It was when it was a photo of me. My dog's not in there. Like they may be, they may be the same. And the key thing is to look at the website clicks if you're doing on for lead if, generation. Right, if we're doing the lead gen, we want to know what is driving the conversions, not just the engagement. Of course, we want the high engaging post because that keeps your content relevant, keeps it high in the feed, so that when you do a conversion based post, they're going to see it. If everything is conversion based, then you're going to lose their interest. But we want to know in terms of conversions, what's more likely to drive those results, capture their attention, and actually get them to take that next step. That's freaking awesome. Do they allow you to export any data? Not really. Is, it, you, is it available on the desktop or just have to look at it on your phone? It's only on the phone. So that can get a little squirrely, I Right. And it, like the current data is only ever for the last seven days, which is super annoying. So you want to make sure you check your metrics like the same day of every week. Got it. For like follower growth and those sorts of things. This metric, you know, that we're talking about, that's available, like I said, for up to two years regardless. Got it. But if you use a third-party tool, if you're using like a dashboard management tool or something else for metrics, that'll allow you to do obviously from the desktop and look at some sort of different kind of data points. But again, you just want to look and see what is driving conversions so that when you have that type of post where you're saying, I want people to take action on something, you're creating the right type of content, the right types of captions, you know, do some A-B testing. You know, if you're running a contest or a campaign for a two-week period, one week period, try different captions and look and see in your metrics which one of those drove more clicks and go, oh, okay, when I put this as the first sentence, when I put this as the caption length, when I put this as the call to action, those sorts of things you can now look at. So the next time you run a campaign, you can start to isolate what's going to be the higher driving you know, results for you. Awesome. Jen, this has been awesome. Can you tell everyone, first of all, where they can find you on Instagram? Yes. <laughs> and secondly, where you want to send them if they want to discover more about you? Yeah. So Instagram, Jen's, J-E-N-N-S underscore trends. It's always Jen with two N's. Uh, website is jenstrends.com. And that has all the information you need to know to pretty much find me anywhere. Um, and then I have my Facebook group, which is Jen's Trends in Social Media. You can just search for that on Facebook. And that's where I share all breaking news about Instagram. I share it to the Facebook group before I even share it on Instagram, because that way we can chat about it in the Facebook group. And then I go and have like a really well-detailed post for Instagram. <laughs> Jen Herman, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom and insights with us. Thanks for having me here. It's awesome. And by the way, if there's anything we mentioned in today's episode and you didn't capture it, we did socialmediaexaminer.com slash 382. Last couple of words, hit that subscribe button if you're new to this podcast episode. And if you're a regular listener, would you consider giving me a review? You can do that if you're on Apple, I think by just scrolling up, or you can visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash Apple. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your sick and slightly coughing host, Michael Stelzner. I hope to be back with you next week with my voice better in tuned. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change 
your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.